Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Netflix and Swole Podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. And I like to stack triggers. And I've really uh, gotten quite good at uh, using the stack to fuck people over and uh, destroy their precious little plans. It's uh, it's true. Uh, how are you, friend? I'm good. Uh, yeah, as you referenced, we... Uh, Wrapped recording on our second uh, episode of our magic podcast <laughs> mm-hmm. last night. Oh, God, as I choke to death. Um, thus, uh, negating any influence of uh, collectible card games on this show so that your girlfriend can love you. That's... yes. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. I uh, It's already ready, posted, ready to go for a Monday release. So the current schedule is for that to release on Mondays. Uh, Netflix and Swill to release on Tuesdays. And then our Patreon content will release on Fridays. So I hope everyone's excited for that uh, release schedule. Uh, and if you're not a patron of our show, go to patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill or check the show notes to become such a patron. You have nothing to lose except for a dollar a month. Yeah. Yeah, literally a dollar a month gets you access to all of our audio content. Is that stupid? Possibly. But it's uh, hours and hours of audio content, and you're still in the middle of a global pandemic. What else are you going to do? It's true. Uh, How are you? Big mad. Big, big, big mad. Uh, You you saw me melt down this morning, basically. Uh... (laughs) I don't want to talk about it too much, but yes, your your boy lost eight games in a row on Magic Arena, and uh, he was he was fucking fuming about it. <laughs> it's true. Card game hard and luck bad. It's true. Uh, we'll we'll likely talk about it on the next episode of Stacking Triggers, but uh, yeah. Now now all I want to do is just make jank decks and be like, fuck this game. It's kind of the best way to do it. <laughs> you know, uh, I, don't, I keep wanting to talk about magic, but then I'm like, eh, I shouldn't do that. We have a whole podcast for, d- dedicated to exactly that thing. <laughs> uh, Mark Rosewater's got his claws in you. You're, you're becoming obsessed. Yeah. Well, I still have like a good amount of cards up in my house, uh, uh, my house, my parents' house now uh, in Pittsburgh. And uh, I'm missing those cards right now. I I, I would like them. Uh, Mom, that doesn't mean you have to send them to me. But uh, I I would like to get them at some point, uh, which would most likely require me going to Pittsburgh, which I was going to get them all when that happened. But, you know, global pandemic, Texas can't keep its borders shut. Texas can't not have no mask mandates, you know, whole whole thing. Everyone has to continue spreading a virus. Yeah, so we'll see whether uh, the vaccine rollout is effective at controlling the disease. Um, I don't know. I I saw something kind of funny, like the um, winter storm in Texas uh, 
you know, left many Texans still alive and uh, steps are being taken to correct this as Governor Cuomo, the the absolute dickhead, uh, decided to open Texas fully. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just don't know how you look at this whole thing and go, oh, everything's fine. And then like the day a day later, Abbott goes, oh, the these immigrants, these illegal immigrants are bringing the covid vaccine or like the covid virus uh, in, into our country through our state. Uh, and it's like, yeah, you know, what would help uh, prevent like if that was true in the first place, which is it's not uh, like, you know, what would help prevent that masks. I, I kind of enjoyed a, a meme that I saw today. It was like uh, fucking people, I guess, now are saying that like the COVID vaccine will turn men gay. So it's a it's a fucking weird world, you know, because that's a problem. You know, men being gay, 100 percent a problem. Yeah. They're putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin frogs gay. Oh, man. They'll do anything to convince the uneducated what what big government's doing to them is bad. Meanwhile, the people who are telling them this shit is part of big government. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, a couple things before we move on to later in the show. Uh, we talked about stacking triggers. Uh, Rabbit Ears had a Veronica Mars episode where I actually talked to Liz from Movie Reviews and 20 Qs. About that show, which is almost entirely on Hulu right now, except for the movie, which is on HBO Max for some reason. So uh, watch it on those platforms and then uh, listen to the show because it's great. It is great. And then we got an Apple podcast review from a, uh, a, 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 a wonderful friend. This comes from Nick Haskins. Never heard of this person before. Uh, your go-to source for Netflix. These are two of the greatest dudes I know. I had the honor of being their friend for many years now. Okay, stalker. And when they started the show, I never envisioned it growing into what it has. It's so entertaining, and even more so because they do it all their way. It is also the only place you ever need to go to know what's on Netflix. Uh, that's not true. What's on Netflix.com is better for that. Uh, looking forward to seeing what you do in the future, my friends. Thanks for years of incredible memories. Uh, so that comes from Nick, who is our friend, and we appreciate him. You too can be our friend if you drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're now at 50 ratings on the U.S. client. So, big plus one there. Weren't we going to do a Sharknado movie when we hit that? It was going to be the final one. Is Yeah, there's there's still a Sharknado movie we haven't done. But that was also in 2018 that we said that, and uh, you got yeah. you guys fucked that up royally. Are we still going to do it? Probably. Yeah, maybe. So yeah, uh, do do all those things. Thanks, Nick, and thanks whoever left the uh, random rating, whoever that was. Uh, I appreciate you. All right. Uh, do you have any swill this week? I do. Okay. Well, then we'll do What's Your Swill, because I'm uh, just drinking water. Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! I am drinking The Dreaming Tree. This is a Crush Red Wine California 2018. An exciting collaboration between, and I didn't know this when I bought the bottle, uh, Dave Matthews and award-winning winemaker Sean McKenzie... 
Uh, the Dreaming Tree captures the spirit of California's wine country. Uh, Crush is a special blend hand-selected from our favorite varieties. This wine pulls you in with notes of smoky berry and a pop of raspberry ja uh, jam. Uh, around the dinner table or out on the patio, it's a wine you're going to want to share with your favorite people. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. And uh, if you don't buy it, you'll you'll maybe still get it because uh, Dave Matthews will dump it out of his tour bus over a bridge. Uh, uh, what's this now? Uh, <laughs> Dave Matthews band got in trouble uh, some years back uh, because they emptied the toilets on their tour bus uh, over the side of a bridge. That sounds like something would happen in a road trip comedy. That's nothing new because, like, Dave Matthews has been forcing his shit on us for years, so. True! Yeah, it's a fine wine. I got something, because I made, like, a, basically, like, a, a broke-ass bolognese at home. And, uh, it was, like, with sausage, and I was like, I'm looking for something that pairs with bolognese. And it's like, hey, look for red wines that are like these. So I looked in my local grocer, and they didn't have any of the red wines like these. So I'm like, this is red wine. I'll just use this. Well, all right. Uh, let's get into some Netflix news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. Well, Caleb, I don't know if you know this, but the Streisand effect is very real. Because uh, Taylor Swift called out Ginny and Georgia. It's a new Netflix original series uh, that we saw a trailer to and just went, eh, whatever. Uh, for making a joke at her expense. Uh, the joke is basically like that Taylor Swift dates a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. She stays out too late, goes on too many dates. That's what people say. Ooh, ooh. That's what people say. Using her own words against her. But I keep grooving. Can't stop, won't stop moving. Gerald has such a huge fucking boner right now. But Gerald has a very confused boner because uh, I did a podcast <laughs> with him earlier this week that's up on his Patreon right now. And anytime he mentioned Taylor Swift, I just went Ginny and Georgia season two uh, because that's how everything is trending. Uh, the show is trending up on the Netflix top 10 charts after its release. But since Taylor Swift's tweet, the series has been the number one series on all of Netflix, uh, according to what's on Netflix.com's uh global aggregate like of their top of like netflix's top 10 so like they have a, like an overall top 10 list combine uh combining like all the other top 10 lists and in, in uh from all the different other countries uh and Ginny and georgia has been number one since uh monday so it it has likely been number the number one show on netflix for the last week which uh means season two here we come yeah that's true uh, presumably with more Taylor Swift jokes so they can get some more free promotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know why shows just don't do this now. Well, like if you're on Netflix, just call out a celebrity who is very outspoken. Well, I guess Taylor isn't outspoken because this is actually like the first time she's ever done this really, but you know, call out a, a celebrity who is outspoken on Twitter and you'll get, you know, mad hits from their, uh, their fans being like, hey, we hate this now. Because like, I think <laughs> Ginny and Georgia is like a point eight or something on like IMDb. It, it was like ridiculously low. It is oh, it's a 7.1. So I guess they removed a lot of the review bombing. Because it was getting review bombed. 
like hard by uh, T-Swift fans. There's a secret to success now. You all know it. Call out Taylor Swift uh, and uh, Sarah Lampert, who is or Lampert, who is the creator of the show, is running all the way to the bank, laughing maniacally because of Taylor Swift. Like so much so that I thought there was a conspiracy, like that somehow those two know each other. And Taylor was just like, I want to faux outrage for this so that way we can get your show renewed for a second season. Yeah. <laughs> but there isn't. There's no connection. So. Whatever. I tr- I tried to find something. Because I'm like, this is almost too perfect. Like, this is a show that we were nonplussed on. Like, like I think it was, like, number three before Taylor Swift tweet- tweeted about it. So, like, it was a show that people were seeing popping up on their Netflix account. And be like, ah, maybe I'll check this out. And then they actually had a reason to because Taylor Swift tweeted about it. All right. Tall Girl is getting a sequel movie. Uh, so now we'll have a, a new movie to judge everything on Netflix by as our new standard bearer. Uh, I wonder if it'll be a 5.2 or not. That's a good question. I haven't, now, now I feel like I have to see Tall Girl to understand. Because, like, what? You thought it was fine? Or, like, the most one of the most average movies you've ever seen? Yeah. Yeah, it was all right. Because, like, I was on the podcast for it, but I don't remember, like, what the point... Like, like, all of a sudden, you were just like, this is the movie I'm judging all everything we watch by now. I'm like, okay. But, I, but like, I don't really understand the, the genesis. Like, I, like, Phil Collins wasn't there to help me understand everything. It's true. Sorry, Ashley brought me a tendy, and I had to have one. Did you get the honey mussy? No, she did, like, a broke-ass sriracha uh, ranch, which, like, actually pretty good. All right. Well, as you enjoy that, uh, I will tell you that licensed content continues downward as only 25 licensed titles were added on March 1st this year to Netflix in the U.S. Uh, This stat comes from Patron Extraordinaire. Casey Moore, uh, who runs the What's on Netflix site. And you can see it trending down. Like in 2019, it was like 61 titles that were licensed content added to Netflix. Uh, Then it was 51 in 2020. And now we're down to uh, slightly less than half of that in 2021. So uh, the future that Netflix has always seen and foreseen is uh, coming true. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, and that'll bring us right over to Downstream, uh, where we talk about trailers. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Uh, And our first trailer this week is for Abla Fajita, Drama Queen. If you're coming after Abla, you better know she's not just a widow with claws. She's a widow with a plan. Uh, This is uh, a Middle Eastern show about uh, people, and some of them are puppets. Yep, this is a movie reviews and 20 Q's question. If you replaced everybody with Muppets except for one person, except it's the inverse, but, like, I kind of, I'm kind of into this. Just because, like, they're playing it straight, like, they're not, they're pretending that, like, this isn't a puppet, at least from the trailer. Like, this is a normal person mm-hmm. who with a normal family who who aren't all puppets. I feel like this is a popular, like, well-known character, probably, but, like, I live in the wrong part of the world to understand the reference. Yeah, it's uh it's an Egyptian satirical puppet character uh that was first introduced in 2010. 
1.9 million followers on Instagram. Huh. I mean, yeah, if you're Netflix and you want an international market, that's how you do it, is you bring in massive, you know, known properties from other countries. And, and quite honestly, I'm kind of here for this. It's a series that's probably the one thing I, that like is detracting from it for me. But otherwise, I'm interested. All right. Uh, next trailer is for Paper Lives, uh, a movie. Mm-hmm. the The whole YouTube description is "Where did you come from, Ali?" So I'll try to piece together uh, what I know about this movie from the trailer and tell you about it now. Um, so this looks to be about a guy who uh, makes a living by collecting like paper trash and gathering it to recycle. Uh, and he finds a kid that was, like, abandoned on the street and starts taking care of him. And he's trying to figure out where this kid came from and reunite him with his mother. In the description, if you scroll down to, like, the very bottom, it gives you, like, the actual log line that's going to be on Netflix. Oh, okay. I see that now. In the streets of Istanbul, ailing waste warehouse worker Mehmet takes a small boy under his wing and must soon confront his own traumatic childhood. So you weren't far off. Yeah. Uh, it looks interesting. Caleb, how do you feel about this as a man who uh, doesn't really have a relationship with his father? I'm indifferent. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Uh, it looks okay. I- I'm hoping the kid will be like uh, in Lion, the first half of Lion, the, uh, what the fuck's his name? Dev Patel movie, where it's basically about like a kid who gets separated from his family, goes to an orphanage, and then... Gets adopted by uh, Nicole Kidman's wigs. Like, because uh, Nicole I, Kidman has, like, notoriously fucking terrible wigs in this movie. And uh, then goes on, like, a journey of self-discovery and angst and shit. But the kid was the most compelling part of the movie. And I'm hoping that's exactly what this movie is, too, is where the kid is the most compelling part of the movie. All right. I want you to take point on this next one. Bad trip. Uh, this stars Eric Andre, Lil Ro Howry, and uh, Tiffany Haddish. Real pranks, real people, real movie. From one of the guys that brought you Jackass and Bad Grandpa, this hidden camera comedy follows two best friends as they go on a cross-country road trip full of hilarious, in- full of hilarious inventive pranks. Why is there a comma there? Whatever. Uh, Oxford comma, it's, it's separating, yeah, different. Uh, different adjectives modifying the same noun. So. Okay. Uh, hilarious. Inventive pranks. Pulling it, pulling its real life audience into the mayhem. Bad Trip stars all the people I said before and Michaela Conlon. It's directed by Kitao Sakurai. Uh, Sakurai is a famous, uh, uh, Japanese game developer. Uh, except that's not this guy because it's just not. <laughs> Look, this is probably going to be a throwaway comedy that I'm never going to remember. Like, uh, what? Ashley and I watched uh, Barb and Star go to Del Vista, uh, whatever it is. I can't even remember the title of the movie now. But, like, Vista Del Mar, that's it. And, like, that movie, I enjoyed it while I was watching it. And then uh, I forgot everything about the movie. 
this is going to be that kind of movie where I'm going to enjoy it while I'm watching it, and then I'm going to forget literally everything about it. <laughs> what about you? Uh, well, Eric Andre is obsessed with showing off his penis, so he's going to be naked in a lot of this. Next trailer is for Thunder Force. In a world where supervillains are commonplace, two estranged childhood best friends reunite after one devises a treatment that gives them powers to protect their city. This stars Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer. Uh, you know superhero movies? No, never heard, never heard of them. Oh, well, that's a thing. Oh. Um, this is one of them, and it's a comedy joke movie. Okay. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Oh. Not a particularly big fan of Melissa McCarthy, so... Yeah. I'll I'll probably be forced to watch this. Well, it comes out in April, and we we have other shit to do. Uh, it, I, I don't know. I find it weird that Octavia Spencer's in this movie, because, like, I think of Octavia Spencer as, you know, real serious actress. Like, yeah, and uh, a serious actor. Right. Like, and I know Melissa McCarthy had that one movie that was actually, like, her doing a serious role. It was, like, uh, Adam Sandler in uh, Uncut yeah, Gems. Ghostbusters. Uh, yes, that was it. The, the movie where I didn't <laughs> laugh one time. So, I guess it's weird from that aspect, seeing Octavia Spencer be in a comedy. But, I mean, hey, she's Octavia Spencer. I believe in her. All right. Uh, our final trailer this week is for The Serpent. What does it take to catch a killer? Inspired by real events, The Serpent reveals the story of serial conman Charles Sabrage and the remarkable attempts to bring him to justice. Uh, in the 1970s, merciless killer Charles Sabrage preys on travelers exploring the hippie trail of South Asia, based on shocking true events. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm here for this movie. Like, it's probably going to be anywhere from, like, good to great, probably sitting, like, right in the middle, but it looks enthralling. Yeah, it doesn't look too bad. Um, I don't know, in the trailer, it shows him, like, roofing a lot of people, so... Sure does. Uh, and that'll bring us right over to Quick Hits. <laughs> Dan, did you watch anything cool this week? Eh, kinda. I watched Community. Like, uh, Ashley maybe watched the Paintball episode, which was, like, well, the second Paintball episodes, uh, which is, like, uh, yeah, second season where, like, the prize is $100,000, and, uh, it, like, the first episode is basically, uh, Fistful of Dollars, which I have never seen, but, like, I looked at all the characters, and they're all dressed like Western characters. Like, uh, Abed mm -hmm. is, is, is you know, uh, Clint Eastwood in Fistful of Dollars. And um, Donald Glover is, is it Cleveland Little? Is that who um, uh, Blazing Saddles main character? Yeah. yeah. Yep. He, he's dressed like Cleveland Little. And it, it, there's other people. I, like, like, Allison Brie, like... Uh, allow me to to be a, a man for a minute, but good God, that's all I'm going to say is good God. Uh, to not sound like Gerald for two minutes. Um, <laughs> it's 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 a good fun episode. The second episode is basically uh, Star Wars, and 
I, I like I, I kind of think it's funny because like Abed is like wearing a white shirt and then like he goes over to Starburns is like, hey, give me your vest. And and uh, Allison Brie's like, why are you taking Starburns vest? And he's like, I want to become Han Solo before Jeff takes it by like, like falling into it, basically, because uh, Joel McHale's character is basically just like the lax like a lack of lackadaisical reluctant hero type. And that's basically Han Solo in, uh, you know, the first Star Wars movie, which is mm-hmm. episode four. So he wants to claim the Han Solo role before Jeff does, and uh, he does it. Other than that, like, it's it's a whatever episode. I, I wasn't super into that episode. Not because of the Star Wars-ness to it, but because I just don't think it's well written and fun. Uh, the th- yeah. the we- the Western motif was far more interesting. I don't know. There's, um... There's an episode where they play D&D that I think uh, Netflix pulled it off their server because uh, I think it's Abed does blackface because he's playing a drow. It's it, it's uh, Ken Jong. Oh, OK. Yeah, he uh, he paints himself black because he's playing a dark elf. Mm-hmm. And Shirley uh, goes, you're and- racist. Yeah. I don't know. I I know this because I had to hear about it because uh, my one friend is a fan of this show and was freaking out about it. Hey, you know what that one friend could do? Go buy the DVD. There it is. That's it. That's the number one answer. With a hundred points, he wins Family <laughs> Feud. That if you don't like people removing shit from streaming services, buy the DVDs. It's weird for me to be on a podcast about a, a streaming service, but and, and saying this, but buy physical media if you want to preserve things for yourself. Yeah, I'm still sour that they didn't do a season three, uh, like old timey video cassette packaging release for Stranger Things three, because I want I want the full set. That was really weird, actually. I, it must not have sold. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. Um, so what do you what do you think about Community overall? Was was Dan Harmon funny before he uh, started turning characters into pickles? Um, yeah. Look, I I I think Dan Harmon's just generally funny, but like, actually, like I'm I'm not watching as much as Ashley is. Like Ashley's watching through it uh, as she watches Modern Family on Hulu. Like she goes between the streaming services and does her own thing, but like, I, it's it's weird because like, the other thing is like those the paintball episodes were directed by Joe Russo, so like, it's kind of surreal being like this guy directed the paintball episodes to Community and then just goes and directs like fucking Captain America Winter Soldier, which is <laughs> amongst like the best comic book movies ever made. And like I, you, you, you can kind of see it from that aspect, but like it's, it's just kind of like one of those surreal things you look at and go, "Huh." Uh, but yeah, like Dan Harmon's fine. Yeah. What did you watch? I liked him most as the proprietor of Frank Swords. I that I will never get over the fact that the the creators of Rick and Morty appeared in a, a nonsense internet television show called Cautionary Tales of Swords. Well, yeah, I think uh, Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland were both like founding members of Channel One Hundred and One, so did a bunch of goofy shit. Yeah. Um, 
I watched The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad. That's a slapstick comedy about uh, incompetent police detective Frank Drebin trying to foil an attempt to assassinate Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, stars Leslie Nielsen. Now, how many times have you been called Shirley since? Uh, none so far. Shirley, you can't be serious. If you like this kind of thing, like, I think it holds up. There's a lot of, you know, off-color jokes that don't really jive with today's standards. But, uh, you know, that's that's anything at this point. Like, if you're mm -hmm. watching any comedy before, like, 2010, uh, there's going to be some things that people take issue with. But that's fine. You can kind of view it for what it is, I guess. Uh, oh, if so, you want to. so O.J. Simpson isn't the most problematic part of this? Uh, the only thing that O.J. Simpson is guilty of is stealing the show in this movie. Really? Yeah, he's real good. He is, like, he's he's not in most of the movie, because, like, uh, he gets shot a million times in the opening sequence, but, like, it's a, it's a really funny slapstick thing where, like, he tries to um, bust a bunch of drug dealers on a boat. And uh, he's like, police, freeze, like, drop your guns. And there's like 10 of them. And like one of the guys drops his guns, drops his gun. And all the other criminals look at him like, are you fucking serious? Uh, but then like they shoot OJ, uh, which is the peak of irony. Um, <laughs> and then like, as he's like doing this dramatic death scene, he like starts stumbling around and like puts his hand on a hot kettle and burns it and is like, ah, and like freaks out and then like stumbles over into a, a door that has a sign on it that says wet paint and gets the wet paint all over him and like stumbles back the other way and steps in a bear trap that's just on the floor for some reason. So it's like it's like that kind of shit. Yeah, zany slapstick. Yeah, they don't really do comedy like this anymore. It was just like, you know, that larger than life fucking like, I don't know. There there's not really been a, a Leslie Nielsen type since Leslie Nielsen. He's just the king of slapstick. Well, we say that, but like he really got into that later, like really late into his career. And then like cuz he was like a really serious like I oh, guess yeah. serious actor before that. Like I think the, I guess the best comparison I have to him is like John C. Riley, who like is a classically trained like theater actor who also does Will Ferrell comedy movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> like movies that Leslie Nielsen was in before were funny. They just weren't intended to be funny. Like he was in <laughs> Forbidden Planet. Oh no. I I don't know. I like it. Okay. It's like laughing in a time machine. Yeah. That's how I feel about watching Blazing Saddles half the time. Yeah. Blazing Saddles absolutely holds up. <laughs> I'm sure it... Well, I'd be interested to see, like, somebody from... And I can't believe I'm going to say this phrase. The younger generation watching this for the first time. And seeing what they think. Like and if they if they understand like the comedic irony of everything, yeah. Well, like I feel like just immediately 
uh, people that weren't alive, at least like in the 80s, probably wouldn't even know what to do with this movie. Because the opening scene is Leslie Nielsen beating the shit out of like, uh, like all of America's enemies at the time. So he like <laughs> is fighting Gorbachev and fucking Yasser Arafat. And okay. like, I don't know. Like, millennials don't know who those people are. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, considering the fact that I was only alive for five months out of uh, 120 in the 1980s, I will uh, report back to you and let you know. Alright, cool. The other thing I watched was uh, Biggie, I Got a Story to Tell, which is the new music biopic that is on Netflix about uh, Biggie Smalls. Okay. So this is kind of like archival footage and interviews with his friends and family members and just kind of tells his story about uh, his life on the streets and the rise of his music career and uh, his his life and death and his legacy. And um, this was really good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's a documentary about a dude's life. Like, I don't know how to really, like, explain it other than just, like, go tell you to go watch it but like right you're either interested in biggie or you're not yeah so if you like notorious big uh go watch this i definitely recommend it and uh quite by accident i was wearing my uh biggie small shirt at the time like i just threw it on and i looked down and i was like huh all right huh uh now here's the real question how many times did they use footage from Luke Cage where it's uh, somebody standing in front of the Biggie picture with the crown on their head? Uh, never. Not once. Damn it. You can call me Biggie's first album because I'm ready to die. Uh, big fucking yikes. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to say about Biggie? No, um, uh, four stars. It's It's actually really good. Okay. Uh, it's a documentary about a man I have no connection to, so unfortunately I probably won't watch it. Uh, with that, time to cut into a little quick break, and when we come back from said break, we are going to be joined by Ashley, the Bubby, uh, host of the Rabbit Ears TV podcast, to discuss Moxie. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons, Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley, the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, The Nerd Revert, and Dan's Mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash apple podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, we are, of course, joined by The Bubby from the Rabbit Ears TV podcast to talk about Moxie. Hello. My ears are really ringing from what you said right before we started recording. That really fucking hurt. What? Quiet, you. I'm trying to do the IMDb uh, point by point here. Moxie is a t- brand new comedy drama music film. Uh, an hour and 51 minutes rated, rated PG-13. 
Uh, it's a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Fed up with the sexist and toxic status quo at her high school, a shy 16-year-old finds inspiration from her mother's rebellious past and anonymously publishes a zine that sparks a school-wide coming-of-rage revolution. Uh, this is directed by Amy Poehler and stars uh, Hadley Robinson. Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I didn't know if I was allowed to talk yet. Well, you are That's a woman, <laughs> and you have to listen to us and when we say to do things. That's that's not Moxie, Dan. That's not Moxie. I'm getting everyone to the heightened state of reality uh, that seemingly Moxie takes place in. Yeah, where it's all women's news and all women's issues all the time. I'm going to hold you down and draw a bunch of hearts and stars on your hands. Uh, so, Bubby, since you are the guest, what did you think of Moxie? Overall, I think the message is good, but I feel like the movie itself is a little heavy-handed, like... The amount of trigger that I was, I was not then satisfied by the end of it, if that makes sense. Yes. That is that is the briefest opening salvo we've ever had on this podcast. I appreciate you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Well, everyone else, take notes. <laughs> Caleb, what did you think? Uh, it's not too bad. There's some things I really liked about it, and... Uh... Some some things that I didn't, like the fact that like the characters apparently exist in a consequence-free fantasy world where mm -hmm. uh, they can just do things and uh, vandalize public property and uh, just, I don't know. It's, it's kind of out there and kind of trite as far as teen movies go, but um, yeah, it's got it's got some heart behind it and a, a decent message, so. A decent message. A decent message. You know, <laughs> don't sexually harass women. Treat them like people. Yeah. That's an okay message. We'll get behind that half-assed. Yeah, don't, uh, don't harass women. Don't rape. Don't be up, we're talking to you. piece of shit. So. <laughs> right? <laughs> Has anybody actually tried sitting down with Shia LaBeouf, taping his eyes open, and watching Moxie with him? Parents, haven't you tried just <laughs> sitting down with your children and hitting them? <laughs> this guy gets it. I just don't. I just don't know how to get my kids to behave. Well, have you tried beating their ass? Uh, as for me, yeah, I'm pretty much with you guys. Like, it's a solid movie. Has a good message behind it. Uh, possibly uh, a bit heavy-handed at times, especially when, you know, there's an all-women's news channel uh, on in the background for some reason uh, with a male newscaster. Uh, although, he's I think woke. that was on purpose. He's he's a woke woman's newscaster. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a heightened reality, like, or at least it seems like a heightened reality. Uh, I'm sure this is actually someone's real nightmare. Uh, and if that's the case, good fucking dear sweet Jesus. No kidding. I will say, like, I don't know if you want me to talk any more, like, about stuff or if you want to lead a conversation somewhere, but it was nice to have a male, like, I guess, protagonist that we didn't have to be cringy of at all during the whole movie. Yeah. yeah I'm glad that uh, he didn't turn out to actually secretly be a giant creep. I was I was very worried during the uh, the the visit to the funeral home because I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Like, like, it's like, oh, man, this guy is, like, yeah. haloed. He, he's, like, 
I don't want to say the perfect guy, but like he's the ideal man in this situation. I was I was waiting for him to do a Louis C.K. and pull out his penis. <laughs> right, exactly. I, and when that didn't happen, I went, okay, we're safe. Good. Yeah, he was he was great. And um, Amy Poehler was a fucking awesome mom. I loved her. I would have she could have been an ally throughout this movie, but instead, like fucking 16 year old girl couldn't talk to her mom and therefore went through all the struggle alone, seemingly, even though she had a yeah. bunch of people supporting her the whole time. Amy, Amy Poehler's like. Only crime is trying to get dick down by Agent Coulson, so. Mm-hmm. Nobody's mad at that. She needed some action. She said it. She's not ashamed. Yeah. Uh, what did everybody think of our our, our protagonist? Uh, I felt like maybe it's the writing of the movie or maybe it was her acting, but I felt like her reaction to certain motivations in the movie were really extreme and kind of like, I don't know. It was like, it threw me a little bit. She felt kind of like a flip flopper. Like she just blew wherever the wind took her kind of, and then chose to get really fucking up in arms about stuff without any real seeming motivation behind it. I'm actually okay with her not like having something happen to her in order to get behind a cause. Like it shows that she has empathy and that to get behind something doesn't mean you have to have it happen to you too. Like she's just like, no, 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 keep your head down. And uh, her her friend eventually is like, no, I'm gonna keep my head up and, and I'm gonna fight this. And she's like, huh, I never thought about that before. And then she begins this whole zine cause, which cool. Yeah, she starts a grassroots feminist revolution in her high school. And then goes way fucking overboard when shit doesn't go her way immediately. I don't know. It uh like the movie I think is is pretty well paced. Like you you don't you don't really win, you just do a little bit better each time. You know? <laughs> it's uh it's an iterative process and she makes her mistakes along the way and uh hopefully learns to do better, so yeah, I thought I thought her whole arc was fine. I <laughs> I always, I always love the the black game of life reference from Family Guy. Yeah. Oh, you never win. You just do a little better each time. Oh, I didn't know that's what that was. Yes. Uh, no, no, no need to explain it anymore. Uh, what, what was everyone's thoughts on uh, Claudia's arc and what she had to go through, and uh, the eventual realization that Vivian was, you know, kind of an asshole. I mean, it's kind of nice to not have it just focus on, like, only women. Like, all women are equally oppressed because, like, there's different struggles within the different minorities and different fucking races and stuff like that. So for you to be like, oh, we only have just the same struggles, it's a little bit um, naive to think. So it was nice for them to bring that up in the movie and kind of, like, be like, yo, there's more to everybody else's story than just this one thing. Yeah. And that's, like, really... It kind of shows like an understanding of third wave feminism because it's more about like encompassing these broader issues of like race and gender politics and like trying to make things better for everybody, not just like one group specifically. Because like, I don't know, like first wave feminism was like, hey, we want to be able to vote. And then, you know, but it was like these things that specifically were to benefit white women 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but then like it kind of expanded out from that. So like, uh, I don't know, like there's some pretty good examples, I think, of representation in this. Like one of the Moxie girls is just like a trans character and they never like show her being harassed for it or like you know like they don't accept her or whatever like she's just she's just one of them there wait who it's the one with the roots the one who was like they won't call me by my new name the one who's auditioning for a little shop of horrors yeah Uh, oh yeah i didn't pick up on that yeah it was subtle but yeah huh okay well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's they don't make it like a huge deal. She's just one of the girls there. So, all right, yeah. Um, I mean, the the plot basically is like the football captain is a shithead, and like his friend who is a football player is a shithead. But like the the school, like all the kids make a list, like most bangable and best ass, and all this stuff, and send it out to everybody, and like. The school principal won't do anything about it. She's like, oh, that's that's social media. I don't understand it. I'm not getting involved. And, like, just doesn't want there to be controversy. Uh, so Vivian starts making this, um, like, underground newsletter called Moxie and putting it on in all the bathrooms in the school. Uh, and people start kind of getting upset about it and, like, start doing stuff and speaking out about it, so... I I fucking hated the principal so goddamn much. I was so mad the yeah. whole time. Same. I was really fucking triggered by her and the fucking yeah, the, football uh, guy. The guy that he spit in her fucking drink. Like, what? Who does that? Sociopaths. Fucking rapists. Yes. The shithead bully in this movie is played by uh, Patrick Schwarzenegger, who is Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maria Shriver's son. That is correct. That is my son. <laughs> he put the cookies down. <laughs> Stop eating other people's lunches. I was elected to lunches. throw footballs, not to read. <laughs> uh, that that is that is true. I don't know. I, I I felt it was pretty predictable whenever they were doing like the scholarship vote, and it turns out he he still won despite the fact they had like somebody like who was a woman who was far more deserving because she captained an actual winning program. Like I just love how like it's like hey we're gonna announce everything at the at the fun finale of the game, and it's like it shows the scoreboard and it's like Pirates three and other team forty one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so the shithead quarterback who can't do anything right is going to get a fucking scholarship. Meanwhile, this this girl who captains a winning program is uh, getting everything. Got it. Thanks everybody. Dude, it was fucking funny when they were nominating her and all she wanted to do was eat her nachos. <laughs> I fucking hard relate to that. Can't can't feminist right now eating nachos. <laughs> well, Ashley, did you have issues like this in high school or is this uh, a totally no. Hollywood portrayal of the the teenage female experience? I mean, this is not my teenage female experience, but that doesn't mean that it's not a lot of people's. No, I'm very blessed and happy and lucky that I didn't have to deal with any of this shit. Did you ever really deal with this shit? Like, I mean, like being harassed. Yes. Like, especially in the restaurant industry, like a lot of people feel like they can talk to people like women or whatever however the fuck they want like customers and kitchen employees like there's been 
a lot of shit that's come out of people's mouths that is not appropriate. And like, yes, of course. I feel like most women deal with uh and then like the whole having to like smile it off and like that. Yeah, it's fucking annoying and it pissed me off seeing this movie. And not enough people got their come up, and that's my main takeaway, like or my main complaint about this movie. Sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> as as a quick quick aside, uh, you you were part you own like part owned a comic book shop. Uh, how how did that go? Did the nerds ever talk to you? The nerds were so scared of me, so that was fine. The, the nerds never harassed me or bothered me. So you hear you heard it here first, girls. <laughs> Go to comic book shops. Be respected yeah. and they're, they're feared. Safe. <laughs> well, like I don't know, the dudes that came into the comic book shop probably went home and were angry that you didn't sleep with them, even though they wouldn't talk to you. Yeah, I guess that's well, true. I don't. I don't have to know about that, so that's not part of my struggle. <laughs> I will uh, say, however, there is some fucking Lou Ferrigno is a is an asshole and a womanizer. So interesting. That's true. the The geeks are safe and the celebrities are not. Uh, is there any other thoughts before we talk about the uh, the very end of the the movie, which uh, involves uh, certain new storylines and then a thing happening? Nah, man. I don't know. Like, like I said, it's it's fairly like paint by numbers teen movie i don't i don't know like it's it's typical teen drama like it's a it's a tall girl type like uh oh no i don't like what this i'm a a girl who's (laughs) tired of being judged by my appearance or you know whatever and you know it's it kind of fills in the blanks from there i don't know uh but like like i said it it's competently made like it achieves its end goal i guess of getting you on board with these characters and uh telling you know the story that they're trying to tell and making their point so i do actually have one other thing to say like i kind of already touched on it before but like seth is an interesting character to look at in terms of like boys and how they could slash should be versus like mitchell's like how all boys think it's like cool to act or like want to like bro down but like that's the actual cool way to act and how to like succeed and like have good things happen in your life is to be a decent human being and not a fucking asshole so it's nice yeah. to see that kind of like subtly or maybe not so subtly fucking shown throughout the movie being respectful is cool yes yeah if if you treat women like they're human beings uh you're doing the good things <laughs> um my favorite character and like my low-key like superstar of the movie is the old dude who works at the kinkos yeah. where she makes the copies of it uh he is just the best character and just like so pleased to be helping her print her zine to distribute at school yeah i, I love when she's printing the last one he's like go get him and i'm like oh he really does care because it just seemed like before he was like that employee that's like, yeah, this is a thing that's happening around me. Sure. All right. Uh, what would everyone rate this? Ashley, you first. Three out of five. Three stars. Okay. Caleb? I'd say three and a half. It's good. It's a good okay. movie. Yeah, uh, I'm, I really am stuck in between you two. Uh, that's what I wanted to do is like in between three and three and a half, but that doesn't exist. Yeah, I'll I'll round up. I'll go three and a half. So uh, the the woman on the podcast uh, is at least high on this, and therefore is not a real feminist. 
or I'm <laughs> able to judge the movie as a movie and not be scared to give it a lower score because I have a penis. I mean, yeah, probably. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't really have much of a penis. <laughs> uh, then moves into spoilers where we talk about the very end of the movie. So if you want to know about shocking revelations, uh, skip skip ahead now to not this segment and watch the movie instead. Let me just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, Imagine you're in a room. No, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning. Uh, Yeah, but the ending is awesome. So if I could just play the ending. This is what you always do. You always spoil stuff Uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance to see it. Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. So, uh, Catherine Langford's sister is uh, in this movie, and she plays a cheerleader who gets voted to be most bangable. Her name is Emma. And at the very end of the movie, uh, somebody writes an anonymous note that says, like, hey, I was raped. And Moxie can help me do something about this because they they seem like a very good support group. So they stage a walkout. Uh, Vivian uh, paints rape port on the public sidewalk in front of the school. And smashes the principal's cool trophy. Yeah, her yeah. her very phallic trophy. Because <laughs> fuck the patriarchy. And then uh, it, it's eventually revealed that Emma is the one who was uh, raped by none other than high school quarterback himself, Mitchell. What a fucking douche. Yeah. Um. Also, like the their like first period English teacher throughout all of this is like kind of a reluctant antagonist because, like, all this stuff's going on and he just doesn't know how to deal. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) like, they call him out and he's like, oh, and I see him being videotaped, so uh, I'm just gonna go to the bathroom about something else. Uh, But, like, at the end of it, when they're doing the walkout, he's like, you know, if if you do this, like, there's there's consequences, and I'm washing my hands of the whole thing, and he holds his hands up, and he has hearts and stars drawn on his hands, which was, like, I, the first kind of call to action that Moxie made about, yeah. uh, like, showing support, so. Th- that got, like, a Tiger Woods fist pump from me. Yeah. Yeah. He he turned out to be pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, all the, all the girls in the school walk out. And some guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, including a, a 45-year-old Asian man. There was also the 35-year-old guy that was on the football team. There was some very age-inappropriate fucking extras on this movie. Yeah. Oh, speaking of extras, fucking Ethel Beavers at the, like, veterans, like, war yeah. or whatever, when she was fucking <laughs> power to the people in the back. Like, that was fucking awesome. Go Ethel. Go Ethel. It was a cool little bit part. Yeah. But yeah, and they kind of... Vivian reveals that she's Moxie. She started the whole thing mm-hmm. and like addresses everybody and like they all get a chance to stand up and you know say their part and how they're just over it. I'm going to say the most unsatisfying part of this movie is the principal doesn't even like fucking have any comeuppance or like get checked at all. She just goes, Oh, I guess somebody got raped in my student body. And then goes and just all you see is Mitch get called to the office. That's the fucking end of that for them. And that's fucking unacceptable. It's literally like she walks up and she just goes, Mitchell. And and this is like (sighs) the disappointment, the head shake. And it's like, uh, rape. And anybody else rapist. 
Yeah. Not cool, man. He's white and upper middle class, so I'm assuming he gets away with it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Also, sounds about it's long white. Past, well, it's long past uh, the point where they could do any kind of forensic proof or analysis. But still, I at least at least I know that a lot of the people in the school know what he's about now. Mm-hmm. But will it mean anything is the, is the real question. Uh, we'll never know because the movie's over. Well, that's true. But like a good portion of the school didn't walk out. Like, is, is it just going to be like there's still that boys club kind of mentality to them where it's like they think everything they're doing is fine? Even if there is, at least now the people who have been undermined or like kind of like been shit on this whole time, at least they now know who they have for support and that they have support and they're, they're not alone. So that's at least something to that's better than it was. You know what, Bubby? That's a really good point. I know. You're a very smart, capable person. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, is there anything else anyone wants to talk about when it comes to this movie? I do want to say, like, her fucking spiral after Kiera didn't win was really annoying to watch. But, I mean, I've, it's been a long time since I've been a 16-year-old girl, but that was a... Uh... That was a rage that she wanna, went on at that dinner against a lot of people who didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And then she ended it with, like, why doesn't my dad want to spend Christmas with me? Like, And then that never even came up again. So it was just, like, weird. She just had a lot of feelings. I don't know. I think that's, like, kind of a typical kid reaction, though. So, yeah. It's like there's always that deep, underseated thing that kind of drives the way you go. And, like, eventually, whenever you keep blurting out stuff, like, more and more gets revealed, like, what, she talks about how, like, she's struggling at school, uh, people, like, like, there's no respect for this group, and she could possibly get expelled, like, she's nervous about the sex thing, and then, you know, when it's come to that, it's like, she's revealed everything that's on the surface, uh, she's no longer calm and ready, so she drops the bomb that she's looking forward to not spending Christmas with her dad. That was a very haphazard way of me doing the the M&M thing. That was pretty good. Hey, thanks. You're welcome. All right, Bubby, thank you for coming on and being a good Bubby uh, and, (laughs) you know, existing. And also putting up with my shit. Well, we put up with each other's shit, so that works both ways. Thank you for only putting up with my shit. I don't put up with your shit at all because you have no shit. Aw. I love you. It's not true. She has plenty of shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love you. Goodbye. Oh, no. I was going to tell everyone. I was going to say, tell everyone where they can find your show, even though it's the same place. It's a, it's at netflixandswill.com backslash rabbit ears or on any of your favorite podcatchers. The end. Oh, actually, I do want to plug. So later on this month, or no, I get, what is it, March? Yeah, so later on this month, Dan and I are going to do a review of WandaVision, so mm-hmm. look forward to that. Uh, what's funny is that previously, the most recent episode, like from episode to, um, like final episode to recording you've done was BoJack Horseman, also featuring me. That's true. Yeah. But the one that started most recently was Daredevil with Sam Hurley. That's true. Up until this one. So then you'll have rain on both or almost whatever. Fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> no one cares. That's that's the that's our secret. Cap. I, 
I gave I gave up on that sentence so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Well, thanks for coming on, Ashley. Uh it was thanks. Fun. Thanks for including me in your five minute adventures. Uh next time Dexter wants to be featured, not just Anyang, so don't be a dickhead. I, I should have said that because Anyang was a two headed beast that the other head would be would be Dexter. Dexter, but, yes. But Aww. that that was my mistake. That's sad. Bubba wants to be included next time. I'll think about it. If you want to chase Ashley out of here, uh, we can talk about how I just pre-ordered uh, Magic Bye the Gathering guys. Secret Lair Black is Magic. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, we will be talking about uh, the a Netflix original movie, Sentinel, uh, in our third segment, so stick around for that. Hello, good morning, hi everyone. My name is Nicholas Haskins and I host a weekly podcast called Nikolai's Kitchen, which is all about my personal journey inside the kitchen and out. Each week I explore my passion for food and share some positivity and I break down a featured recipe for you to make at home. It's a show all about the ups and downs of cooking, baking, and living. I'm not a chef, I'm just a guy who loves cooking from scratch and trying to make a difference in the world. Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode on a podcatcher near you. Just remember, never stop believing in yourself. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our, I guess, second main review topic for the week. Sentinel. Sentinel is an action drama thriller film uh, that is new on Netflix. It is a 4.8 out of 10 on IMDb, just mm. shy of a tall girl. <laughs> uh, transferred home after a traumatizing combat mission, a trained French soldier uses her lethal skills to hunt down the man who hurt her sister. Uh, this is uh, a tight 80 minutes, which is the best thing about it. Hundy P. Uh, Dan, what did you think of Sentinel? This movie made me want to watch Taken again, which, like, I love Taken. Like, Taken, I I, re- I recognize all of its flaws, but I still enjoy watching Taken. This movie so desperately wanted to be Taken, but just wasn't. Like, this movie's not good. Like, mm-hmm. if there's anything it beats Taken in, it's the way it's shot. Because, like, they do a better job of hiding the stunt people. Uh, in in the scenes than Taken does, but otherwise, like completely uninteresting protagonist, uh, plot like not plot beats, but like character traits that get like dropped like halfway through the movie in order to advance the plot through and just be like, well, all we care about is the plot. Like, uh, I don't want to get too much into it, but like she's an addict, and you know this because like she bounces her leg up up and down because that's the only way you can portray an addict in a movie anymore with like quote unquote subtlety is like they bounce their leg but then that gets entirely dropped for the second half of the movie which is just her going on like a rampage so mm-hmm. uh, this movie made me so angry because it's like obviously she has PTSD but they just like don't have her in any sort of counseling for it mm-hmm. um because, like, the beginning of the movie is her witnessing, like, a child suicide bomber. 
So, like, whenever the plot happens, like, she goes from zero to murder a psychopath, like, in a fucking New York second. Yes. There's one point in the first third of the movie where some kid is, like, holding his arms out like the suicide bomber kid was, and she gets all freaked out about it, and it's like, okay, more of that. Like, that that adds interesting character depth to her. And it's just like, oh no, we totally forgot about that. We gotta, we gotta have like, uh, murder, m- murderness on on the back end where she goes to find her her sister's m- rapist. Yeah, I don't know. It, like you said, it just doesn't really do anything with the character beyond like setting her up to be like this damaged badass. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she's in like some sort of peacekeeping force. I don't know where this is supposed to take place, but like, this there's is in just France. soldiers that, yeah, but there's just like soldiers that patrol the town for some reason. With FAMASAS. Yeah, with like full, like live ammunition. I, I, I looked at this and I remember like, my dad uh, said maybe the funniest thing he's ever said to me. And it's not so much as funny as it is horrifying, but he's he's always said, like, the second I see a tank rolling down the street I live on is the second I stop paying taxes. Because <laughs> that is exactly what my taxes are supposed to prevent. Right. And, like, this was, like, slightly a step off of, you know, a tank rolling down someone's street. Like, there are people just chilling on a boardwalk, and all of a sudden you see four people in camouflage suits and famasas walking down the boardwalk. And it's like, what the fuck is this, is, is this world that we're living in? It's pretty bad. Uh, let me look at my notes and see if I have any more depth to this character that they were trying to extract and then forgot about. No, we, I mean, we pretty much touched on it. The only other thing was like when she went to the club, she had a good time uh, and then went home with some other woman. And that never gets explored again. Like, and not only does that not get explored again, like her relationship, her potential relationship with that woman. Although, like, it's like, a, hey, will you call me? Oh, yeah, sure. Whatever. Uh, obviously, you're not calling that person. Oh, it's but like, like just a booty call. She goes out to a club and goes dancing and then has sex. Yeah. But like, we don't get her feeling guilt for the fact that like her sister like she and her sister went out to the club, her sister went off with some other people and you know, she potentially feels responsible because she didn't follow her sister or anything like that. Like there, there's nothing around that night that she reflects on. She's always just, it's these people. Cause like, yes, it's, it would be victim blaming to say like her sister did all this stuff to get herself in the situation and that she didn't do anything to help, but like you, I still feel like there'd be like some level of guilt to her character, being like, I should have been there for my sister, so that 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 like, I potentially could have prevented this from happening, or you know, yeah, I anything. I don't know. Um, like they they try to play it up, I guess, like it's a mystery, like she's trying to solve the crime of who hurt her sister. Uh, and it turns out, like, it's it's not the guy that she thought, like, the young mm-hmm. guy that her sister was actually with. It was the guy's dad. Uh, 
but the police can't do anything because he has diplomatic immunity. They can- <laughs> uh, and she says it's just been revoked and shoots at him a bunch of times. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 proud of you for making that reference because I also made that reference. I don't know, like, and we find that out with like 40 minutes to go in the movie. So like, there's no intrigue. Like, um, the other movie I kind of compare this with is like John Wick from that kind of an aspect. And like mm-hmm. with John Wick, it's like, oh, he hasn't gotten to the sun. Like, how is he gonna get to the sun? And then you know. It, things come to blow with the dads. It's just, oh, we're moving the sun entirely from the equation for no reason whatsoever. Just be like, we're taking the dad's word for this and we're moving on. Like, okay, sure. See, I thought, I think an interesting twist would have been that like, she kills the dad, but then she finds out that it actually was the son that did it and not the dad. And like the dad was trying to take the blame and protect him. So, like, then she has to track down the kid and kill him, or whatever. Yeah, yeah that would have been a much more interesting. more action movie thing to happen, but... Like, like something to keep it going. But, like, uh, maybe they just were like, oh, this movie's dog shit. Uh, keep it to 80 minutes. Just have the dad <laughs> die at the end of the movie. Where, you know, she she shows up to Dubai. Which, like, I, ca- I kind of like that part. She fucking gets him. Yeah. Yeah. I- I, I don't mind that part because, like, she sp- she said at the beginning, like, I speak five languages. Uh, she uses, what, two of them throughout the entire movie. But, like, oh, she speaks Arabic, therefore she's, of course, going to be in Dubai. Like, as soon as the guy was like, oh, uh, I'm going up to my room, bring room service. And I was like, up oh, here, the room service is uh, your murder. I don't know. I find it wild that, like... She fucking does an armed heist and steals the guns that she needs to kill the guy from uh, her own military unit. Mm-hmm. And then she just walks out of the building <laughs> and, like, isn't pursued. Yeah. Well, uh, my other favorite cliche that happens, and this is kind of more modern, is that she wears the I'm trying to be discreet in public uniform, which is uh, yeah. plain plain hat and then a hoodie. And you can put a coat on over top of the hoodie. But, uh, it, you know, as long as you have the hoodie and the, and the plain hat, everything's fine. She looks like she's cosplaying as Jill Valentine from uh, any of the Resident Evil games. Oh, man. I, I'm kind of disappointed because I was, like, super excited for this movie based off of the trailer. And, like, the, the few action scenes we do get in the movie are good. Like the the fight with like her in the hospital with the the other woman where they're fucking like murking each other, that fight's yeah, awesome. Yeah, her her sisters would be assassin. Yeah. Anytime she's threatened by like one of crime bosses enforcers, like they'll have the upper hand for a little bit, and then like the boss leaves the room, and she immediately fucking destroys all of them. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know, it's just, it's, I don't, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was more than this, so. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Like, I, I watched that trailer and I just went, okay, this could be a solid movie. And instead, I came out severely disappointed and just wanted to watch mm. Taken instead, which is 10 minutes longer and has far more character depth than this movie does. What would you rate this? I'm having trouble with this one. 
because like it's between like a one and a half and a two, and I guess I'm going with two. But I I I don't like this movie. Yeah, I'd I'd say two and a half. Okay. All right. Well, next week on the show, we're going to be reviewing Pacific Rim The Black, which is the new uh, animated series from Netflix uh, that is in the Pacific Rim universe. So We have already done a preview episode on this, so if you want to check that out before you uh, listen to that episode, do so. Uh, it's a non-spoiler preview. We spoil nothing. It's ten minutes long. You can't go wrong with that that episode. Uh, and on the back half of that, <laughs> in uh, the most ironic and not ironic, ironic is not the correct, ter- serendipitous is the correct term. Uh, Gerald from Two Piece on a Podcast has requested that we review the movie Creep, starring uh, Mark Duplass. Is this a film adaptation of the Radiohead song? I'm going to say right now, if the Radiohead song doesn't appear in at least <laughs> like three seconds of the movie, I'm going to be extremely angry. I'm excited to watch more of Pacific Rim the Black. Yeah. Uh, tell them stuff, Dan. You can find our show at NetflixandSwill.com. That takes you to our podcast page where you can also find Rabbit Ears, the Rabbit Ears TV podcast. Stacking Triggers, a Magic the Gathering podcast. Uh, and also links to our Patreon page, where you can support us in any level. Uh, where I, forget, I neglected to mention that uh, Caleb Makes Gerald Watch, uh, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, is currently up on our Patreon right now. Uh, that series will be going for two more weeks. So, uh, considering the fact that Gerald finally got back to Caleb uh, uh, a day later. See... Gerald thought he could escape my wrath. He he sent me audio on time, but, he, you know, he was still a day late in, in terms of recording it. So, uh, fuck you, Gerald. But not fuck you. Uh, you're, you're, you're an okay guy. Yeah, he likes the movies, so I'm happy. It's true. It's better than how I feel about the Harry Potter movies, where it's like, yeah, it's a two and a half. I like it. And it's like, two and a half does not mean you like it, you piece of shit. <laughs> All right. Thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, Bitter. Uh, which is how I feel about all these sexists in my school. <laughs> yeah. And until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.